Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app/breadbox. Welcome to the Will Within podcast. This is your home for shared stories of hope, perseverance, will, and inspiration. Join us today as we share another story that brings to life the underlying beat of our lives. Consider us your virtual friends. Let's get inspired. Welcome to the Will Within Podcast, and I'm your host, Regina Pontus. Today, I'm going to be talking to Steve Pocarni. He is the author of Redeeming Vision and the founder of Freedom Coaching, which addresses overcoming the addiction of pornography. It's a very insightful conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. So without any further ado, Steve Pocarni. Welcome, Steve. I'm so excited to have you here. I know that you wrote a book called Redeemed Vision, and it talks about um, the struggles of pornography in this world and what we have to deal with nowadays. And it's very important for us to overcome that adversity. And you talk very eloquently about it. So I really do want to hear about that from you. But at first, I want to hear about your own spiritual journey, even as young, because in the first couple of chapters, you talk about your upbringing, and I thought that was a good indicator of how things, you know, how it's set up to you dealing with this problem and overcoming it. So tell me about your faith journey. Sure, sure. And first off, Regina, uh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's an honor to be here and for uh, for that little little introduction there. Spiritual upbringing, uh, I was raised Catholic, um, mom, dad, brother. Didn't have a dog. I have a dog now. Um, <laughs> life, life is good. And um, a lot of that changed. My dad tried to commit suicide when I was five, mm-hmm. and that that struck me to the core. He was moved to a um, his short term memory was taken out from breathing and carbon monoxide poisoning. He was moved to a to a nursing home, and so I uh, always grew up. Uh, I grew up Catholic, and and I never really knew how to really pray. I, I, in a certain sense, I mean, religious ed. Uh, classes for a while 
Um, it wasn't until I would become, uh, my, my father would pass away from cancer when I was 17. My mom would pass away a year and a half before that to cancer. Um, um, thank you. Um, I wouldn't be who I am without that. Did you find that during these trials, not only with your dad, but then with your father as well, even at such young age, did the faith fall back for you? I mean, did you actually use that and focus on your prayer life? What happened during that time? Yeah, so um, good question. So it was actually, it was eighth grade when I would actually be confirmed. That's when the lights came on because I'd been doubting God, doubting existence. I never really doubted the the reality of evil, okay? the reality of Satan, which was kind of interesting, right? But I was doubting the existence of God because I've seen so much evil. I think that's why I um, or, or, or felt it in my in my. In my experiences. So it really was my lights come on a confirmation, but it was when my mom passed away is when I really started asking, you know, for God to you know take care of me, provide for me, take care of her. Um, but I really started that daily prayer. So as, as you know, my father passing away, that uh, we were continuing to grow in that. And it wouldn't be until I many, I, I actually went to four years of seminary, having a desire to want to be a, becoming a priest, discerning out of that. And it wouldn't ironically be until I got to Franciscan University many, many years ago, uh, 2003, I guess, that God the Father really showed up for me. And really, this became extremely intimate, extremely personal, um, getting to know him as a son knows a father. So profoundly lights coming on there. And then long story short, uh, three years ago, uh, being wooed into moving from Roman Catholicism to becoming a Byzantine Catholic. So being wooed into that, and, and for the, any of those who are listening or are familiar with uh, Byzantine spirituality, it really is a, a receptivity. We really uh, focus on the divine coming to earth. We become one with, with God there, especially in the Eucharist. And it's, it's obviously found in the Roman uh, theology, but it's really pronounced in the Byzantine Eastern sp spiritualities. So uh, that's a little bit of my journey in a nutshell. There. And nothing changes from the Roman in terms of transubstantiation. I mean, all of those elements stay the same. Of course, so same. No one, one, yeah, one, as scripture says, St. Paul says, one Lord, one baptism, one faith. So right. there, we like to say there's 23 different flavors of being Catholic united to Rome, and Byzantine is certainly one of them. Did you find yourself having a dark night of the soul moment? Because, I mean, at 17, to lose both parents, I mean, who actually technically was responsible for you until you were 18? Never mind having to deal with the debts and stuff. I mean, you were totally alone at that point. Good question. So my uh, my brother's um, a sister, my aunt, um, she would they her and her husband took me in for a very short period of time, but I, I really had been since my mom my mom had gotten cancer way back in 1990 when I was 12 years old. So having to really you know learn how to cook for myself, learning how to do laundry, do all those things, really become self sufficient. And and I think that's that also played into some of my journey on negative roles is. I can't, I can't be vulnerable to others. I can't open myself up to others because if I do, they're going to hurt me or they're going to leave, leave. me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that fear of abandonment, actually we're doing, doing some trauma work uh, years later, realizing that my fear of abandonment actually came back from when I was seven months old, uh, dealing as a colicky baby and some of these oh things manifest. You yeah. know, you think yeah. you get some sense of independence or you get strength in your independence, but sometimes it goes the reverse as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and in fact, like, and, and I think that's the movement of the Christian life or the Catholic life is, is moving from this, these false notions of being independent to really being dependent on the grace of God. Like, certainly God has work for us to do that only we can do. Like, Regina, you're doing this amazing podcast that only you I can do. You. And you, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like, only you are going to have this voice and this perspective of life that the world needs to hear it's so that voice is really needed and so so it's we must not forego and, and think we are incapable of doing anything but before we can do anything we first must receive the love of the father we must first know that we're loved and that's manifested first and foremost in jesus christ who gives meaning to our own bodies to who we are as created in his image male and female I know during the chapters you talked about your early exposure to pornography. Tell us a little bit about that because then you, like you say, you had to deal with that for a long time and now you do um, coaching to help people on that. So So tell me about that effort. And also sure. with the growing up in that environment. Sure, sure. So, and let's just define uh, define terms really um, carefully first. Yes, so, pornography, pornography is any image, written or audio that's trying to get us to use another person as a means of my own selfish sexual gratification. Okay. So, as we look at that definition, it's way bigger. Pornography is way bigger than just the the crap we see online, for instance. Right. right? Yep. G- game of Game of Porn, for instance. Right. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Right. It's all, it's all around us and we've normalized this. And so for me, my journey on that was, again, you have this father wound that's deeply there, uh, brokenness, this idea that I can't trust people. I'm, uh, my, my desires obviously become eroticized as I'm in the natural course of things, never having appropriate sexual formation, meaning what does it mean to be a man? How am I supposed to see women and love women correctly? So exposed to this when I'm in uh, junior high, this is videos, internet hits, explosion there. I become, uh, develop a compulsion from the time I'm in high school, shall we say, into college, into seminary, um, leaving seminary with this, getting a first tangible taste of freedom from this when I hit, uh, come to Franciscan University. And it came with that knowing that I'm loved, knowing that the Father loves me and is present to me. Can and I then ask you a question? Yeah. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. You're doing great. Did you just say that you were exposed to this a little bit while you are doing this while you were in the seminary? Okay, yeah. Isn't so let's that talk the opposite it. of what you're supposed mm. to be focusing on? Okay, so let's let's take a, a thirty thousand foot view of this whole thing, right? There is a God. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. Right. His desire for us is marriage, union, communion, life. Correct. Okay. There's an enemy of God, Satan, who hates God. Anything that has anything to do with God, his, his plans for for um, fracturing, divorce, death, utter separation, alienation, loneliness, eternally. That's the plan. And this is the battle forever, right? So wherever there's going to be any semblance of anything that has to do with God or anything yeah. that is trying to bring about God, mm-hmm. there's going to be uh, deeper attacks there, right? Mm-hmm. So... Look at, I'm glad you do. So um, look at Rome. It's been estimated there's 200,000 Satanists in Rome. And with all of the things, yeah, uh-huh. and, and with all of the things that are coming out with, you know, Theodore, Theodore McCarrick and the scandals there, and it's certainly not every priest by any means that is doing, has done horrific things to little, little ones. It's a very, very small minority, very small, okay? It's actually higher in public school teachers and mm-hmm. things like that. But it's not informant, uh, in, uh, you know, it's not uh, not foreign. And the fact that we have had over the past hundred years 
a very poor sexual catechesis. A catechesis on A, what does it mean to be male and female? And B, how are we supposed to live out this, this male or femaleness as gift? Okay. It's, and, and it's, it's, we, most of us have never informed. I fell in that generation. So going to seminary, right? Um, this is in the late nineties. Our formation was very poor. Very, very poor. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry and, to hear and, that. Well, thank you. And so do I. Um, and again, if, if I didn't, if, if I wasn't, you know, for whatever reason, Providence has brought me to this, this place of, of great healing and bring healing to other. But this is, this is in some places, this is still the case that there's a, for, a poor sexual formation. So a lot of it is ignorance that's coming in here. And then, I mean, in the, the easiest way to kind of tell this is, I mean, think, look at, for those who are Catholic, go to, go to Sunday Mass. Um, you know, COVID is hopefully opening up right now from getting us back to churches and listen to what's being preached and also listen to what's not being preached, right? If, if the fact that we are not hearing anything on the truth about human sexuality, when, for instance, pornography is the number one sin confessed in the confessional by far, stealing is probably number two. Okay. Um, And from just from conversation with priests, if we're not blipping this at all, then and, and there's nothing on, then it's perhaps the priest is being ignorant or willfully, willfully ignorant, right? And it's maybe a conversation, Father, can you preach on these things? And not to say the Father necessarily has an issue with pornography himself, but in the work we do in freedom coaching, um, I work with priests and priests who are dealing with this. And these aren't bad priests. These aren't evil guys. They just have never had this formed. And then they have been programmed in a certain way that when tough things of life, you get stressed, or as we like to say, blasted, bored, lonely, hungry, angry, stressed, tired, turned on, emotional, depressed. When those are there, then if programming has been, that's the way I deal with it through acting out with pornography or masturbation, then that's going to go on there. And this is very easy to become a place where I keep coming back to that. Let me take a step back. You announced that you, you announced Freedom Coaching, but we didn't talk about that. You are the founder mm-hmm. of Freedom Coaching. And so tell us about what the actual focus is on Freedom Coaching. You talked about helping some priests. Do you deal with other people as well? Is it just basically people in the ministry? The ministry. Sure. So good, good question. So uh, what is Freedom Coaching? Freedom Coaching um, is a one-to-one ministry designed to break the power of pornified images permanently. So how we do that, and and we work with anybody, male, female, uh, there's an increasing number of women. Women have been told for many years that if you are to have value and worth, you have to be like a broken man. And that's baloney. Um, You are valued for who you are, my dear sister. Right. Your value is it's true. You're welcome. God bless you. And it's, and it's true. And, and the fact is that we, we aren't, we, none of, most of us have not heard this message. We're supposed to receive this in our own families. When you have an utter breakdown, we, we are not building a marriage culture, but the opposite of it. And, and that becomes very isolated and lonely. And, and because we're made for communion, we're made to know our worth. We're going to go and try to find it in the opposite way. I like to, the analogy I like to use is if we're made for fresh water, if we think that there is no water out there and all we see are septic tanks. And these are the, 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 the shiny lights that are shined by, by celebrities waiting around in these right. septic tanks. Like, come on in, all those things. Please, see, we're I love that part of your book. I'm sorry to interrupt you again. But, I was, <laughs> but you've made a good analogy uh, in the book about septic tank. Talk to people about that. Um, yeah, the whole visual that you described was that. 
So let's, let's use the whole analogy, right? So you're, going to, you're walking along one day. It's hot, really hot. And I live in Texas. It's not hard to imagine that, right? But you're in Boston. So the sun comes out for, what, 30 minutes in a year, maybe, <laughs> yeah, right? right. Um, so maybe three months, right? <laughs> and, and it's really hot. You would do any, you're so thirsty. And you do anything to quench your thirst. And without even thinking about it, like you, you, see, you see in your neighbor's yard, you see this big vat of liquid. Without even thinking about it, you hop the fence, dive in, start guzzling, guzzling, guzzling. You feel good for a little bit. You do a couple backstrokes. Then you pull yourself out of it, realize, you know, uh, maybe I don't feel so good. And I, you know, I feel kind of nauseous. And, and as you pull yourself out, you, you're looking on the side and you see this bit, this, this label, and it says septic tank. Right? What's our reaction, right? What's your reaction, Melinda, to, 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 yeah, to drinking that? <laughs> Completely. Right. right? Okay. And, and if we keep drinking this, we're going to die. And this is the image of our culture. And, and unlike septic tanks that are underneath the ground, this is right in our face. The movies, television shows, magazines, internet, this is everywhere. And we have, we have the sad reality is we have normalized this mm -hmm. because very rarely in our culture today is there talk about genuine intimacy and love. What the two elements of the human person we absolutely need. But the, the four deepest desires of the human heart are to love and be loved, to see and be seen. We yearn for this. We ache for this. And if we don't get this, then we're, we're ultimately going to go for the counterfeits. And, and going back to spiritual warfare, the evil one has been doing a fantastic job. He's a brilliant marketer, brilliant marketing um, in uh, proposing everything else except what we want. And we in the church have backed down and, and, and have just either assumed that people are just going to get what the church teaches anyway, or we've kind of given up the fight in many cases. And this is why we find ourselves in the place where we're at. And it can be said the the single greatest cause of atheism in the world are Christians who go to church on Sunday and live their life like anyone else. I mean, we as Christians have the same uh, have the same marriage rate as others, divorce rates, have uh, abortion rates, belief, contraception, belief in uh, using using um, using pornography. We are like everyone else, and we're not. You're not hearing like the everyone. messages of the real, true elements of the Bible. I mean, years ago, I used to grow up, and they would call them the uh, Bible thumpers or the brick and not the brick and mortar people. The um, what's that phrase that they used to use? I remember it, uh, and I'll, then I'll interrupt you again saying it. But, uh, you know, the, the preachers, the, the old um, Bible. The, the fire and brimstone. Fire and brimstone. That's the word. I said brick and water. But you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you can go from one extreme to the next. You don't have to listen to that ad nauseum. But there are important elements, basic elements, that, that we weren't subjected to, that we really should get back to understanding about. Like, and I, I hear what you're saying here, right? We want, we're, we're yearning for uh, somebody to, to love and accept us, Regina, for who we are, right? That we, and, we, and we know that we, no, no, none of us are perfect. And so we want mercy more than ever anything, right? And I think what's happened in the past, I don't know, we'll call it 50, 60, 70 years, we have forgotten the double-fisted gospel. We've forgotten that yes. our gospel is a gospel of mercy. Jesus Christ has come to save us, and we must turn our lives over to him. But we've also forgotten the reality that he, God is a God of justice. The God, same God as yesterday is today and forever. So when we see injustice, such as violent actions that happen by a very, very small minority of police officers, right? we think the answer is, let's burn the whole system down. Instead of realizing 
God is really with us. And, and on the, the nature of like with connecting with the issue of pornography here, right? The reason why, uh, just on one, one dovetail in our conversation, the real reason why some of this rioting and things have happened is we're not seeing each other. We become blinded by our passions. We're not mm -hmm. seeing the goodness of ourselves and the goodness of others. And I would humbly propose that it's because of the pornified vision that is keeping us from seeing my own brother and sister who's right here, even though I may not agree with them, right? We, we instead are drawing all these battle lines of skin color or, or um, Republican or Democrat or right. whatever, um, meat eaters versus vegans, mm -hmm. all these things instead of what's the compass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't allow we ourselves to, yeah, to ingratiate ourselves with other people and learn their, learn their histories. So tell me a little bit more about the coaching that you're doing with the one-on-one. With -on -one. Do you also offer, with the COVID, do you also offer telehealth? <laughs> okay, that's a very interesting question. So I am, I ironically am, <clears throat> am in the field of natural healthcare. That's a whole nother, another radio or interview we can do. Mm -hmm. But, um, but what we would say is this is, this is the foundational health we need is sexual health. And like, this is the, like Martin, Gay, uh, Marvin Gaye, right? I gotta get, I need some sexual healing, true sexual healing, right? So coaching four parts, very simple. Okay. Stay four stages. Stage one, we look at a client's history through an emotional lens. And there's a lot of healing there. A lot of clients have never talked about their history and the wounds in the way that we do. And again, uh, something profound happens there. Second, we look at a client's and we look at the, uh, do a deep dive into the neuroscience of pornography. So chemicals like dopamine, norepinephrine, oxytocin, testosterone, all those other ones. Same chemicals that come up in a healthy marital inter, uh, relationship, but come out very differently when a person's using pornography. Okay, so it's, and, and this helps to get into why we can't break free from this on our own willpower. Third is all about intimacy and identity. So we're, we're aching, and we, as we talked about in this interview, we're looking for real love and intimacy. If we don't find it, we go to the counterfeits. This is why we feel the guilt, the self-hatred, the shame, right? The feeling like we're losing ourselves. And if we don't know who we are, we're not going to know how to attain what's going to really satisfy. So we do a deep dive, especially through the lens of St. John Paul, the great theology of the body, helping to see the goodness of our body, the goodness of our sexuality. What was the plan in the beginning to live that out? And in doing this, we start to attain real intimacy so that we can attain who we really are. And if you want to change a habit, break a compulsion, got to put something better in its place. And then the capstone to this is stage four, and that's called vision coaching. The reason why so many people have this issue with this, why it doesn't seem to go away on its own is because we're blind. We've never been trained how to see the body correctly. In fact, we've been programmed by the counterfeits. The good news is, Regina, when we can learn how to see the body as God has created us to see this, those scales fall from our eyes, we begin to see ourselves as good, begin to see others as good. And then what used to move a person to, to for instance, ravenous lust, there's a very different emotional reaction. One so much that we, we want to actually weep when somebody is not being seen, not being treated as a person. And so the, the, what we like to say is the guarantee of freedom coaching is clients will have everything they need to be done with this forever. And the asterisk is, Threefold. One, they have to open themselves to the grace of God. 
through this process. Two, they have to open, they have to, um, they have to, they, that grace has to be present. Second, they have to open themselves to it. And third, they need to respond to it. Yeah, those are very, very good points. You know, I was thinking when I was reading some of what you sent me, that some of these elements can also be attributed to helping people through issues of anxiety as well. I mean, not as profound in terms of, you know, dealing with pornography, but there are other elements of people, what they're struggling with, that they can also apply what you've talked about to their own issues as well. Of course, of course. I mean, the like, just take the issue of trauma, for instance. And so we talk, we deal with a little bit on trauma. Trauma is any uncomfortable emotion that continues to come up year after year when we get into similar situations, and we don't know how to deal with that. It's like a hand grenade that keeps going off, and I can't find the pin. So if we've been, if if in certain situations that we've experienced this brokenness of our emotions, right? And those keep coming up. We 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 we're like, why do I do that? Why do I keep doing that? And and the fact is, when you can take those experiences and link them back with the original emotions of what was going mm-hmm. on, especially mm-hmm. we like to look at what was happening right beforehand, during, and afterwards, and link those particularly there, there can be a release of that. So we've had clients who you know dealing with anxiety for years and, and seeing just a release happening here. And I think part of it is, Regina, that we're, we're so deathly afraid to show people who we really are. And we think, right? And, and, and if we think, if, if, we, if we think that if I share myself in this way, you're not going to like me and you're going to reject me. But then you get into a very safe place where you can talk about these things, especially, I mean, what is, there, there's nothing more um, personal to us than our sexuality. Mm-hmm. Right, and how we live out that sexuality, when we encounter truth and encounter somebody who's going to listen and be able to to actually provide some solutions here, we can drop our guard here. And in in that, in coming to meet intimacy himself, then something really beautiful happens. Some beautiful transformations. So tell me, what other resources would you recommend for somebody? Obviously, your resources. And like I said, I don't know. Did you say that if you offered telehealth or telemedicine? But yeah, so this is, yeah, so with Freedom Coaching, so it's, it's, uh, it's via, Skype, via Zoom, Zoom or Skype, you know, depending on what, um, what video conferencing um, clients work. We work with clients all over the world. Um, it's not just me. We're, I'm actively training coaches right now. Two have already been launched along with me and other ones on the way. Uh, actually, a female, a female coach. So we're gearing up here. God's got some big plans, and they're not going to be the only ones because mm-hmm. if this is the, I would humbly say, the number one issue undergirding so many of our societal issues, people are looking for answers. And so I could see this coming international uh, very quickly because people with different languages that don't know how to speak English or whatever, you can have all kinds of coaching services for people all over the world. Everybody can back this. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I speak English, uh, bad English, and a bit of Spanish. So we're going to need help <laughs> on that. So tell me um, what are the actual other sources like your website? that people might want to go to find out more about what you're offering? Yeah. So if, um, if Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook is redeemed vision, that's where those are found there. The website is freedom coaching.net. They can read about there, shoot an email. We'll get back to you very quickly. And, um, and then we can have a chat. And you've been doing this for nine years. So you've got a lot of experience with that. So you've yeah, helped got some... millions of people, not millions, but thousands of people. I'm sure. So Lots of people on this. For this effort. Thank you. 
Thank you, thank you. And one, one thing for everyone to take a look at, um, it's coming soon. We're looking at the appropriate way to launch this. It is a 12-part uh, TV series on this topic um, that can give a lot more insight into this and is really good and available for a lot of churches, parishes, groups to be able to study this. We're creating a study guide with that. So, so it's uh, going to be a DVD source? Um, it'll be probably a streaming platform. We'll probably oh, put it okay. on there. Um, so available worldwide. We're working on that. That's wonderful. I'm so excited to hear that because like I said, Thank there's you. a lot of people that, and especially the youth as well. So I'm sure you're going to get some of it to the young crowd as well. Absolutely. So you can start doing um, education at a young age, like you said, you missed. So Steve, this has been a wonderful time to talk to you. I've really learned a lot and I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. An honor, Regina. An honor to be with you God, and blessings. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Steve, for taking the time to come and talk to us today. Uh, I hope you were able to glean some very insightful information from him. This is a scourge, again, on our society, just like human trafficking, and I hope we can work together to overcome it. There are people out there that will be willing to help you and coach you through the problem. Coming up, we're going to be having conversations. I've done extensive interviews over the last few weeks with Sally Freshman. She is a Holocaust survivor. I talked to Kendra Von Esch. We talked to her before, but she's going to talk to us about um, improving our spiritual life. Tony Agnesi, he's a Hall of Fame broadcaster, best-selling author, and he's also a podcaster. He shares his insight in doing ministry in the prisons. And also, we talked to Dominic Bettinelli. He is the CEO of SQPN, and we talk about the rise of that organization and what he's working towards. So I hope you continue listening to us to get some really great stories on people that are doing wonderful things. So happy Thanksgiving. And until next time, my virtual friends, be blessed. Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com.